Hello, and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we discuss trailers, movies, TV shows, and all things pop culture. Today we have a packed episode. My name is Emmett, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and Price is Right overbidder, Ivan. I do tend to overbid on stuff. I- well, you don't want to be an overbidder on Price is Right, so... <laughs> You want, to, no. you want to be the person who says a dollar or goes one dollar over everyone else. That's true. That is very true. I don't know if you've ever played Prices Right, but that's how that works. All I know <laughs> is that the price is never right for me on, on any occasion. The price is wrong, Bob. Um, how about we jump into it? We got a full episode here. I thought we could start with the, uh, with the new segment, not news segment. Any any thoughts on this about what's hanging on our wall? What are we into this week? Oh, I'm into so many things, man. It's so hard to narrow it down to one. Let me talk to you about the news. <laughs> yeah, we're done with that. We're moving on. Um, I got a chance to check out the latest uh, cut of Spider-Man No Way Home. The uh, more fun cut or something like that. Yeah, if you can pick one thing to be into this week. Why not make it Spider-Man? <laughs> Look, this is like, what, eighth, ninth time or something like that watching this movie? But with 11 more minutes of content. <laughs> it's a totally different movie. Yeah, but the theater was packed, man. There was, there was a National Cinema Day, so everybody was just paying $3 for movie tickets. So I can't really blame them for coming out. But I will say that uh, the the added content is very noticeable, what was added on there. And they even added a new post credit scene, which was pretty cool. Um, it's 11 minutes that they should have kept in the movie, but you know what? You're not really missing out on much if you uh, didn't get a chance to check it out. I hope at some point they put it up as like an add-on for anybody that has uh, the video release copies at this point. Or whenever it shows up inevitably on one of the streaming services. Yeah, is it ever going to be on a Disney Plus? Probably not I, with Sony, right? I think the plan... Uh, that they made was for it to show up, I think, next year. I believe Netflix is getting it first after the theatrical run and uh, home video sales are uh, have reached their thresholds. God only knows what those thresholds are. But yeah, eventually all the Spider-Man stuff is going to live on Disney+. Plus. But I think they made the deal a little bit too late to, to, to kind of affect uh, No Way Home immediately. But yes, it will make its way there uh, I believe by next year. Well, wouldn't Homecoming be up there by now? Um, no, because I think they have a deal with Stars and Netflix, and I think one other. Uh, oh, it's on Amazon, player. I think. Oh no, Is you have it? to pay for it there. Never mind. I, I know Sony made a deal with 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 some of the other streaming services first, uh, but remember that was like they made that deal during a time when they weren't sure if they were going to move forward with the MCU again. In that contract renewal thing. But it sounds like they're kind of married to each other at this point now. Yeah. You know, the Spider-Man trilogy is the only movie uh, that I've bought the hard copy of in recent years. For like, for any movie. I think it's good to have some of the stuff that you really, really like on physical media. Yeah, when uh, the when the Y2K happens. <laughs> still waiting on that. Listen, we laugh about it right now, but when the robot overlords take away our media content as first form of punishment for us, us yep. people with physical media, we're going to be the savvy ones then. Oh, yeah. People will be lining up to watch my old Spider-Man trilogy. On VHS or DVD? Both. Dude, that's that's vintage right there. The, the no, VHS who has VHSs? Come me, on. still. <laughs> but they're not the actual movies. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a it's a bug's life is actually ant. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, does does nobody else have double decker VHS t- uh players still? Am I the no, only one with that? You're the only one. Oh jeez. Okay. <laughs> All right, on my wall this week, I'm a little behind on this uh, cuz I think it came out a while ago, but I uh, finally am able to start catching up on some content I missed. Uh HBO's Nathan Fielder's show, uh, The Rehearsal, is I fi- I was finally able to start this thing. It's so smart, funny. It's like actually really heartfelt and like touching, especially for like an introvert who kind of feels a little bit like Nathan sometimes. Uh, it's really good. I just fear that it's probably going to go under the radar, which is kind of sad because it's it's very similar to his other comedy show on uh, Comedy Central, Nathan for You. Uh, but it feels like it's something that should be seen by a lot more people. 
You know, it's funny. This came out in July of this year. That's funny. I no, I thought I could have sworn. <laughs> I could have sworn this was, this had like you a play some cricket one. sounds in there, right? <laughs> no, I thought this came out like a year ago. Why, like? I think a trailer for it came out a, a while ago. Not a year ago, but a while ago. Um, to hype people up, but I don't know if it if he really draws that crowd, which is probably for the best. Because he, to me, he's kind of like a Bo Burnham, where his comedy is so smart, but also very niche. Uh, where you really have to be into the dry sense of humor for it to work. Yeah, it's almost like a British kind of sense of humor. A little yeah, bit, just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and now we've offended a whole content, uh, country there. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I love British humor. I feel like sometimes people don't understand that like dry sense and, and, and wit about it. I feel like I get a lot more enjoyment out of it sometimes than the American comedies. Yeah, I can't say that I'm too big in the British scene. Oi, what you mean? <laughs> <laughs> All right. This isn't the boys. <laughs> Uh, but that was all. That also was a contender for my wall. Uh, the boys. I finally caught up on season three, and still pretty graphic. Just uh, you know, it didn't add on too much to season two. No, it's still very political. Very. Um, um, it also kind of like I feel like it goes out of its way to be as graphic as it can be. Um, yeah, they're really steering into that. Which is fine. I mean, they, they they played off of that really well the first two seasons. I just think that there's nothing new kind of being brought into the table either. Again, it was a great season. I, I liked it. But um, nothing too, uh, I guess, new or fresh. It just felt like a good season two part B. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I think that concludes that segment. So that's something new we're going to try. So, uh, you know, keep bringing one thing that you're into per week, Ivan. And I will definitely do that. I have extensive notes about my fandom of Alanis Morissette that I'm definitely going to bring up at some point. All right. Well, some weeks will be better than others then, apparently. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be one of those ones that's better. Uh, watch. I'm going to put Alanis Morissette on the title of this pod and watch how much <laughs> how many viewers we get in. Yeah. I don't know if it's the crowd we're looking for, but it's the crowd we'll get. <laughs> we'll take it <laughs> so let's start off uh by talking rings of power so uh last end of last week they dropped the first two episodes uh for us why don't we just do general thoughts on this i feel like this is a very long show that i don't even think at our best we could do one episode in an hour <laughs> i feel like this was like watching a movie like i personally I feel like the quality was really high, um, which I guess should be expected, right? It's got a huge budget. Amazon was really focusing on making this a success. Because uh, honestly, I, I, outside of the boys, I don't really know if they have a lot of shows or movies uh, to make them as relevant. I think they're starting to get a more extensive library, but this was like the like a splash in the water for them. This wasn't just dipping a toe in. So it makes sense that it was really beautifully filmed. The complaint I have is like, it feels like they're trying to do a little too much. I know there's only like four or five plots to follow. So it's not like a crazy amount to keep up with. But with a show like this, they're just running through names of like people and places and, you know, people in the past and swords have their own names and they're talking about woods and i don't i don't know who or where we're talking about half the time and i just I, i'm a i have a very commoner's knowledge in this realm so it's not like it's very easy to follow for an average viewer which is very difficult because that's who you should be kind of targeting and then sprinkle in these little nuggets for the the for the book readers and the the lore fans that can keep up with those things yeah i agree i feel like well i think i guess kind of taking a little bit different approach from you but like i was a huge tolkien fan Th those were books all the lord of the rings books were huge books 
especially when I was uh, when I was younger, they felt like a very like novella sized uh, undertaking to to get through. But I, I ran through all three of them cover to cover like several times. I was like a huge Tolkien nerd um, growing up. But I got to admit with you, like, I feel like part of the magic of something like Game of Thrones is that it didn't. While it relied on like getting content and story from the from the source material, it didn't um, feel very alienating. Uh, the world building aspects were just are like right on key. Uh, for this, I felt like it was a good start. Um, and I think I texted you this before, but like I thought the first episode was a little too slow. And I understand like pilot episodes are to set up the world and like give us a better understanding of what the plot that's to come. But at the end of the first episode. I still kind of had no idea who I was supposed to focus on, A. And then also, I'm not entirely sure what uh, the overall story is yet. And I feel like, thank, thankfully, they gave us two episodes to start the series off. And I guess that's one of the reasons why they gave us two episodes to kick things off. Because without that second episode, I think I'd be a bit too lost for me to, to, to add myself in as like a subscriber for the show week to week. Yeah, two things uh, to follow up on what you're saying there. So I totally agree. It's like, whose show is this? Is it just Lord of the Rings show? Because I I was kind of under the impression that this was going to be like Galadriel's story and how everything revolved around her. But she's definitely a main character, but it seems like everyone is also on the same level as her, which I think that's the part that's making it very difficult for me to keep up with is like, who am I investing in the most? And in Game of Thrones is kind of similar because it was like, you know, if you rewatch season one, it's like is Ned Stark, Robert Baratheon or um, like Cersei or Daenerys or like who's the lead. But I guess they all had their own pecking order. Like Robert Baratheon brings Ned into the story. So it's like you can kind of tell who's in charge here, whereas this is very difficult to keep up with. Like, who should I be investing my time in? Right, but I also think Lord of the sorry Game of Thrones kind of took in the approach of an ensemble, because yeah, Ned Stark was the focus of the show, right? But because it kind of leaned a little bit more towards him during the first season. Um, you know, putting aside what happens at the end of that first season aside there, but it set up the world so that at least you have somebody to navigate that world through at first. Even if like main characters kind of change throughout the series, whereas here I feel like I by the end of the first episode I couldn't remember besides Galadriel I couldn't remember anybody else's name. Yeah, and it also doesn't help that like the actors don't totally look like the characters we're familiar with. Like Galadriel, they just casted a blonde person, and it's like if she ages so slowly over thousands of years, shouldn't she look a little bit more like? The movie version um but that might be too nitpicky to try and cast someone that similar uh the second thing i was going to say though that you had mentioned was dropping two episodes at once i think they did that tactically to keep up with house of dragon to but be at that same two episodes were released at the same point in time but for me personally i couldn't watch the second one right after watching the first i like i needed a break to like try and digest it how did you uh did you watch them back to back or no i saw the first one uh the day of the day of release yep and i didn't see the second one until yesterday or whenever it was that i texted you but there was at least a day in between in between episode one and two because the first episode was like an hour long but like and again i don't mean to like harp on it too much but it felt like an hour long right it did yeah whereas house of the dragon was like it was more or less the same length right but like it felt like it was done much quicker yeah and i don't know which one i prefer because i think they're accomplishing more per minute in uh rings of power but house of the dragon which we'll get into uh episodes two and three feels i don't know more comforting to watch it feels easier to watch but still more enjoyable there's something that you said when we were watching, um, I think, Book of Boba Fett about like the way Disney Plus is treating Mandalorian and, and Boba Fett. And that's that 
you know, doesn't quite act like a series. And I feel like that that the same feeling I got with Lord of the Rings, where it feels like I'm watching a very extended movie. And with House of the Dragon, it feels like it knows it's a TV show. Right. And I think that's where Lord uh, Rings of Power is kind of getting confused because they have a budget like a movie where yeah, uh, they they can it, it makes sense that it's going to fit into that box. So I get it. And obviously it, we're only two episodes in, so it's really hard to be like, this is going to be a great show or a terrible show. Um, but as of right now, like if they kept this pacing, probably just going to feel like a okay show. Right. Yeah. And, and honestly, like, I feel like, and maybe this is kind of jumping the gun a little bit, but, but fa- the fact that they've greenlit two more seasons already before the premiere of these two episodes, like it shows that they have some confidence in like, people's reception of it or or like forecasted i guess perception of it uh so i have hope that it's gonna pick up and and get a little bit better Uh, again it's not a bad show by any means it's just i feel like it there's just a little too much going on that it's hard for me to to really feel like i'm enjoying it without um i'll I'll put it like this it's kind of like uh like playing games with a toddler because like when like whenever i would babysit my niece should be like into one game right now and then like in five seconds she's like oh let's play this other thing and then six seconds later we're playing something completely different and i felt that way watching lord of the rings where it's like you have all these different interesting stories but i feel like i haven't had enough time to marinate in any of them to to really um figure out which which character i'm really attached to yet yeah yeah that is uh the difficult thing to achieve when you want to tell so many stories and you only have an hour per week. Um, one thing I wanted to talk touch on before we move into to House of the Dragon, but you know, obviously from a visual standpoint, it looked really, really good. Is there any characters that you're excited to see during this time? Because I know, like, we'll have, I know, obviously Galadriel. We know from from the um, from from the future, I guess, or the original. Can we call it the original trilogy? The Peter Jackson trilogy. No, we know we can't even say that, right? Because he directed all six of them. With, we could just call uh, it Lord of the Rings. Yeah, we, we could just call it. <laughs> Since the other one was The Hobbit. <laughs> with those original Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> like, we see Elrond, right? Like, he was a big player. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I loved his his bits in, um, in Lord of the Rings, so I like getting a little bit more of his background story, and he's one of those, like, common sense like characters that have common sense so it's really nice to watch that <laughs> yeah i'm excited to see his progression because he seems like such a different elrond than what we come to know eventually yeah he does um which i think part of that is like in the lord of the rings he has a family and that changes the way he sees the world a lot i think but again how many this is what a few a couple thousand years before Lord of the Rings, right? Uh, at least a couple hundred years, right? It's not a hundred, but like a, a couple hundred. So um, I I, ha- I feel like it has to be a couple thousand because they look so young <laughs> and they age so slowly. Oh, you're right. It looks like three and a half thousand years before the events of Fellowship of the Ring. Okay. I guess that makes sense then because it's like they were there for a thousand years or something and then now it like where we're at in the story now is like a 2000 before lord of the rings but even that had flashbacks like several hundred years before the events of frodo so it's like the timeline's super messy because the, the i was like rewatching the hobbit too and I'm, now i'm going on a tangent but i was rewatching the hobbit and like there's still parts in there that like make me upset where it's like they realize Sauron was back then, and then 60 years goes by, and they are surprised again when Frodo starts learning about the ring. So it's like, I don't know, is he always back? Are they constantly forgetting that he's back? <laughs> Sauron is the new Emperor Palpatine. Like, he just keeps coming back <laughs> at some point. Is he going to be the uh, that giant who came down in the uh, meteor? That's what I... 
kind of thought, right? But Sauron's already an established presence at that point. So, like, is he... Yeah, that, that's the part I don't get, but it seems like the reddits of the world are leaning towards that being the speculation. But, like, I don't know, does that make any sense? From a lore perspective that I can recall, no. But at the same time, I don't think Sauron has ever really been given that much of a of a backstory, if if I recall. Um, like as a as a book nerd, it was cool to see some of this, like the the Elven home world that has kind of barely been touched on before. Uh, you know, yeah, all that stuff, Morgul and all that, like that was cool. But then, like it. it as detailed as Tolkien was with some of the stuff in the books, like I don't think he, I don't think there's enough there. Like you, you got to really create a whole bunch of original stuff to 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 fill in those gaps that you have um, with that story. I guess the other question too is like, this show is about the rings of power, right? So at some point we're gonna see Sauron create the three rings for the elves, the seven for the dwarves, and the nine for men, right? Yes. Although I don't think Sauron is the one that creates them, right? It was the the elves that do that. Not according to the Lord of the Rings intro. Well, the Lord of the Rings intro is wrong. <laughs> well, that's Galadriel speaking in that movie, so <laughs> she's off base here. But that's what I don't get, because like I know that speech at the beginning of Fellowship is like he deceived them all with one extra to rule them all, but he's already the bad guy in this show, so why would they take any rings from him? It, I was... What's his name? Uh, Celebrimbor? Or, I, these, not, these names are hard to remember. <laughs> the, the, dude, the dude that creates the rings, he's not... I, I was under the... I'm pretty sure he was... He did it, like, under the elves' instruction or something, but he was corrupted by Sauron. Well, that's a whole new movie. This, yeah, this is this is, I guess, like I don't know, season two or three of this. At some point, <laughs> we will see the creation of them at, at, at that point. But I'm pretty sure the elves had like a pretty big hand in creating the rings. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cele celebrimbor. Celebrimbor. Cele yeah, something Ce like that. Celebrity board. So yes, that that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know what the biggest thing for me though, like for the show, like I'm excited to see what happens to Elrond's hairline, and also like how this his he has a completely different chin shape than he eventually comes to have. So, uh, what happens there? I need to know the backstory there. Yeah, I maybe we're just supposed to dispel any, you know, they have to look alike notions. I guess so. I don't know. He he's kind of looking like Cleft the Boy Chin Wonder to me a little bit here. <laughs> You're just jealous. I am. I am. That's a perfect rounded chin. I <laughs> I have like a embarrassing chin compared to that. <laughs> All right. I think that's enough uh, rings talk. Unless you have any last thoughts. No, I think that that's about it. I'm excited to see the rest. And I, honestly, like I'm just excited that we have two fantasy shows kind of playing back to back essentially during the next handful of weekends or so yeah i agree it's not like either of these are really a slouch so i'm enjoying it and i think you know the movies were also kind of slow if if you rewatch those like if you rewatch uh fellowship it doesn't really start picking up toward towards the end so i think it's okay to give that like maybe that's just their style it's like give them some time to set up all the story and then they'll like the stone will start rolling down the hill faster that's true. That is true, especially the five-hour cut of those movies. Man, that that cuts and makes it better. You're talking about eleven minutes in Spider-Man. Give it an extra hour <laughs> per movie. <laughs> I I have those on DVD, and I will. Those are like some of my prized possessions, there, man. Yeah, that that's that's worth a lot. Uh, but yeah, let's move on to House of Dragon. Uh, let's start with just some general thoughts about the last two episodes we saw. So episode two and three. Uh, and then we'll get into, like, specific character interactions. All right, cool. So I kicked off the first... I'll kick off Rings of Power, so why don't you kick this off? Um, Damon Targaryen is the best Targaryen there ever is. There ever was and there ever will be, just because he's played by Matt Smith. And let me just start there, because I just, I just want to emphasize that opinion. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> that that wrong opinion. All right. No, it's not wrong. It's completely right. Um, <laughs> I, so, episode one I thought was a really good start to the series. Episode two and three to me continue that flow. Uh, I don't see anything that's like like I, I. There's been a lot of people that have been comparing it to like the original Game of Thrones uh, season one. And while I do think that that show still has a little bit of a stronger lead, it could be nostalgia that's kind of like driving that uh, opinion bias, I guess, on my part. Uh, but for me, these two shows, these sorry, these two episodes have continued to like establish a really strong connection here. The one thing that I will say that kind of throws me off a little bit, we see in episode three is, is um, that you know we kind of play around with time a little bit. Uh, whereas with Game of Thrones, I think it's a little bit more linear. But here, um, these two episodes I thought were really cool. They really, really are are spare, sparing no time and in getting into the <laughs> nitty gritty of, of the story, right? Like we're really moving into uh, from one conflict to the other, and the drama and the dialogue are keeping up here. So um, the, a lot of stuff goes on in these two episodes, and yet at the same time. Yeah, I'm still kind of left at the uh, anticipating the next episode. They're doing a pretty good job of 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 getting through this whole Dance of the Dragon story um, as quickly as they seem to be able to like setting everything up. Yeah, I think the first episode was really good setup. I think it ended with a, a strong cliffhanger that made you want to come back for more, which is really important when you are dropping it one episode per week. I thought it slowed down a little bit too much in the second one. And then the third one has picked it back up. Uh, so I would compare it to the first season of Game of Thrones and probably put it above, even above like my nostalgia for that season and for that show. Because this one introduces a lot better action than Game of Thrones had. Um, like it's got tons of dragons, so that's a major win. Uh, I don't know. Contrary to what you're talking about, I don't really love the time skips. Um, they're a little distracting and they seem like they're only used to progress past like traumatic events, but the rest of the plot around the characters has remained exactly where we left off. So it's like what we went six months and all that we skipped was like grieving or we went like three years and we only skipped like childbirth or something like that. Like, I don't know. Would a lot of things change between those times as well? Um, I think it t t and that kind of threw me a little bit for a loop too. But the only reason why I kind of applaud it is because the story this is based off of a lot of the big events happen when the central characters are a little bit older and when a certain event happens later on. Uh, so I feel like that's one of the things that kind of I would assume the showrunners kind of feel compelled to, to skip time a little bit. Uh, but I would argue that this would be a good time to deviate away from the source material a little bit because you're right i feel like there we could have gone with uh you know seeing this um see, seeing some of this uh conflict through a little bit more instead of just kind of skipping ahead because like the, the stuff between allison's and rainera like there's clearly like a lot of tension and remorse and regret there right but you only get glimpses of it because you don't really see like you don't get a full reaction from the events of the of the second was it was it when the second episode happened yeah so once uh the king ends up with Alicent, oh, obviously well, now we're in the not... we're in the scene specific spoiler section here i guess i guess so. <laughs> <laughs> no but you get what i mean like we're, we're going yeah. into like but that's fine that it's like the more interesting stuff happens when everyone's a little bit older but why not just use episode one to be like that's where we'll do our fast traveling as like a narration of here's how we got to them at middle age and then let two and three and so on and so forth be into the story that you want to be telling it's that they've spent so long telling us a story that they have to tell us in order to tell the story they want to tell and i'm just saying they could have like condensed that down to you know old nan telling bran about it right <laughs> yeah like that type of thing right we should have had an old man on the, in this too <laughs> instead we're getting a lot of young nans <laughs> <laughs> no 
No, but we, I, I think that they're they're a little bit, um, the hands are a little tied because of the because of the source material here, just a bit, just a wee bit. Um, but then burn the text. <laughs> but the sacred texts. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I I do I do agree and I also disagree because I feel like again the, there's trying to get to the point of some of this story. Yet at the same time, I also have to think that. Could it be that they were worried that they weren't going to get multiple seasons, right? Because, like, this thing didn't get renewed until the premiere of the first episode for season two. So it, it kind of, like, I don't, I don't know, from, like, a production standpoint, I would assume that the showrunners are like, let's try to tell the entire Dance of the Dragon story in one season in case we don't get to, we don't get a chance to do this for a second time. But then you wouldn't even want a second time because you've already told your whole story. <laughs> well, yeah, that that's what... Th- that's what I'm trying to figure because like they should just put HBO in a no win position where like it finishes without finishing the story and then it's like okay well we have to do a second season true but in hindsight too like I feel like they took the right approach with doing that because the new guy running things over with Discovery and that like he's been axing projects left and right so you know who who knows like he could this could have been on, on the chopping block no way I would just say like from a business perspective I don't think they care about having like there, there's things like loss leaders, right? Like your best product, but doesn't actually make you the most money. That, like, that's what Game of Thrones is for HBO. It's like, it's what keeps you getting subscriptions, or like keeps people keeping their subscriptions, I guess. And I know I said keep there ten <laughs> times, but you know what I mean. Like, it doesn't even have to be that good because it's going to be something that everyone talks about on Monday. That. If you missed it, you're out of the conversation. So, of course, they're going to keep a season two. This is going to go to, like, five seasons. I would agree with that sentiment, except for the guy's been doing the complete opposite of that since since Discovery's kind of taken over. And he's, like, been very adamant about how things need to turn a profit or they're getting the axe. Which which is where I feel like maybe... And and again, I'm not saying that this is the case, but I feel like maybe part of the reason why they, they sped things up too is, is just to prevent them having too much of a of a cliffhanger at the end. I don't think we're going to see the full Dance of the Dragons play out this season, but I do think that they probably had, or they were probably felt in a rush to tell at least that first part of the story uh, as quickly as possible and leave it less open-ended. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about some specific characters and maybe scenes between them. Um I would guess maybe starting with your favorite Targaryen makes sense. Damon steals the show for me. He's the best. That's it. That's all my notes. <laughs> so I get him joining forces with Corlys uh, to fight off the crab, uh, yeah, the crab feeder, whatever he's called. Guy uh, with the coolest costume, by the way. He, it's just a guy with grayscale and a mask, right? Exactly. Anybody with dry skin, that's your that's your, <laughs> that's, that's your cosplay. That speaks goal. to me. Uh, <laughs> I get the I get them joining forces because they want to like show their strength to the realm and say like we would be a, if you partner with us, we could overthrow the king and or whatever eventually, right? But they go they they go three years without making any progress in the fight. Which makes no sense because it's like the guy's confined to one cave. How are you not just rooting them out? You have a dragon. You ever live in a cave for like a couple years? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's the most resourceful thing you could do, clearly. <laughs> where are you where is he getting his food from? Uh the crabs bring him his food. Oh right. <laughs> I think the crabs would turn on him because he's stopping, like he's not feeding them anymore. I was under the impression that that scene in episode was it the opening of episode three when when Damon flies in with the dragon. I was under the impression that that starts the tail end of the of the of the battle. Like maybe this has been going on for a bit, but you're but yeah, like I feel like we have pieces of a bigger puzzle here. I think that was the beginning, and then the time skip happened. I, I guess, but so you're saying he's been flying dragons there nonstop for you for three, for three years without that's any I, That's the image I got is that he showed up thinking this is going to be a very easy fight. I'm just going to burn them all with my dragon, and then he realized like, oh, 
they are well provisioned and they have like a good hiding vantage bot and they can shoot arrows at me so it kind of makes me ineffective and then they just decide let's keep circling dragons overhead so that they can't come out uh, yeah that's tough to tell i guess from hmm. yeah i don't know because hmm. they have the conversation corliss and damon have the conversation about going to war at the end of episode two and then i gotta rewatch it i maybe i'm i missed something in the first watch but then the skip happens three years. It's just unclear if they've been fighting for all three years or if he kind of joined in uh, a little towards the end. But either way, we know he doesn't make much progress until his brother Viser- Viserys pledges support, which gives him the motivation to lead the charge and show that he is strong enough to do it on his own, which is an incredible fight sequence. Yeah, I, lo- I love it. It's that like part. Battle of the Bastards, but with dragons. <laughs> Yeah, and with literally one single dude taking on a pretty hefty <laughs> amount of soldiers. Yeah. But, like, is he legit as a fighter? I don't know. I mean, he's he's fairly good. He he got through pretty easily on the... Like, not pretty easily. Like, he, he made short work of most of those foot soldiers. Also, he's got a, a lot of, like, plot armor protecting him from arrows there. So he's, like, definitely boosted... <laughs> There, because that—that's the one part of the sequence yeah. that I was kind of like, okay, <laughs> like something's gotta hit him. At I least mean, he once. did get hit a few times, but none found their mark to kill him. Right after like a shower of arrows, which also <laughs> I never understood that tactic in Game of Thrones. You saw it in Battle of the Bastards in the in in the in the main show too, where you're like sending a volley of arrows while your own guys are out there too for one dude. Like it just seemed excessive. Well, that's an important dude. <laughs> it's like Jon Snow dodging all those um, yeah. arrows. Uh, I will say, though, that he um, he does suffer from that, like, Oberyn Martell flaw of hubris. He, he is just too much of a showboat at times. Most Targaryens seem to suffer from that, for sure. Not all of them. It it really is like they're they're true to the form of like flip a coin. Either you can tell like this one's a crazy one or this one seems like a sane one. Yeah, but they don't talk to each other either. Like you, you like you get the feeling that like the the king and Rhaenyra's problems could be solved if they just sat down and actually listened and talked to one another for five minutes. Which I think it, they start to do towards the end of episode three. Like I think you know we'll skip ahead to that bit. You know, the the big thing with episode three is, like, Rhaenyra has to get married, has to have kids. It's her duty, and it also would strengthen her claim to be, like, I am a rightful ruler, and I have a line of succession. So it makes sense uh, that she has to, but instead of viewing it as, like, telling her she has to do it, you know, Alicent's actually good about manipulating the king into doing good things, right? Right. Yeah, like, I, I feel like the... Here's the thing about the king, too. Like, I, I like him as a character. And I kind of feel bad for him, right? Because he, he doesn't feel like a like a bad guy. He also doesn't feel like an, like an idiot, you know? Like, he, he seems like a genuine dude. But, like, I feel like he's too nice, right? Like, it's kind of like the, the Ned Stark of the throne. I would say he's very much like Robert Baratheon, where, like, I don't. it's not clear that he wants to be a leader. Yeah, he definitely doesn't want to be, but, like, I feel like Robert was more of, like, a terrible king, whereas this guy is not a bad king, per se. I, I just think he do, he doesn't have control of his house, per, like, or or maybe the he doesn't have the gall to, to rein them in. Like, his yeah, brother's he's not, in control. I think he's passively bad by, like, not making decisions or wanting to put things off makes him a bad ruler because he's not effective with say like knowing this has to get done right now like the crab feeder could have been defeated way earlier he could have done like the logical decision making on getting married again and not upsetting Corliss and having him you know flee to Damon. like he could have been more effective as a ruler for sure that's true 
Can, while we're on the subject of marriage, though, can I just say that scene where Corliss offers up his daughter for marriage was one of the most uncomfortable things I've seen. And while I get it, right, like, that's kind of, like, the norm for the time kind of thing, it's also a fantasy show. Like, did nobody just, like, turn around and be like, hey, you know, we could just, like, I don't know, age her up? <laughs> like, I, I, was I the only one uncomfortable by this? Like, I, I was just kind of like, like, no, I, I think, get it. I think the internet was uncomfortable that uh, they were suggesting they get married in within, like, five years, start having kids. That whole, like, I and... Don't get me wrong, the dialogue and all that was great. I feel like the acting in it was superb, but yeah, it was. It was just like so. It was just one of those like borderline like okay, I I'm starting to feel like really, like I I, I feel the shame I guess that he would feel at that point because you definitely got the sense that he, um, even like after his advisor told him like it's probably the best idea like on paper sure, but he felt like, I feel like he felt kind of like the ethical implications of what that would mean yeah i don't know who that one advisor is but i like that guy he's like the varus of of that day where it's like just the one guy who is intelligent and wants to see good for the realm <laughs> yeah the one honest guy in this court because right? like the rest <laughs> of them even the maesters i get like really bad vibes off of them yeah like when it was it came time to like for rhaenyra to start considering quarters and this guy comes up, and he's like, oh, let me guess, you want to you know, offer up your son? He's like, no, you honor me, but no, that's not why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, so that guy is a good one to have on hand. Um, obviously, he, Vis, uh, Viserys was going to go with Allison, though. I mean, that the show was not secretive about that. Yeah, no, because what's, what's his name? Otto Hightower was like essentially hounding his daughter off from the very get-go. Yeah. Which, by the way, that guy is definitely the the Tywin of this series, right? In 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 some respects, not not all the way through, but like in in a, in a pretty obvious manner. I'm getting more like Littlefinger vibes off of him. Like he's seeking a way to the top, and he's so close right now. And he's putting his daughter in the in the mix, and then now that he has a son, or I guess he's got a grandson, she has a son. He's like he's basically right there, so that's why he's like saying like he, he he's coming up with these ideas to keep his family line in the mix. So oh yeah, why don't you just marry Rhaenyra to Aegon? Then everyone's happy. <laughs> Which like where do the where do the uh, Targaryens draw the line on the incest one? They like, don't. So why wouldn't Viserys just marry his own daughter? <laughs> that. Yeah. I mean, it's weird for us yeah. to even, like, ask or talk about, but, like, weren't they marrying their, you know, cousins and nieces and nephews? and? Yeah, that, I, I guess that's where they draw the line, right? Like, it's got to be one removed. Yeah, or something like that. Like, I feel like the, again, <laughs> bearing in mind we're talking about incest here, but the suggestion of marrying the Aegon to, or Aegon to his, um, would be no different from Daenerys and John. And John, yeah, it it would be around the same kind of thing there. It's just that one's three years old right now. <laughs> but but again, like the the whole the problem with that is that then that takes away Rhaenyra's claim to the throne, right? Because like essentially, actually no, it it wouldn't, right? Because they would both be equal set rulers. Yeah, I don't know how that would work. I would assume that the realm would just view Aegon as the king, and yeah, because she's the, dude. the like figurehead queen. Also, what what terrible conditions for that kid to be born into, right? Like that that two year old has no idea the type type of tension he's just been born like in the middle of, right? <laughs> like that's that's gotta that's gonna be like an awkward series of events that gets uh, triggered there. Wasn't that just like a nice reminder though? That's like all these headaches that they have is just all created by themselves. Like you could yeah. be born into a world where like oh. We just need to survive or live. Instead, you're born into a world where, like, you might have to fight your aunt for authority and whether you want to or not. <laughs> the other sad part of it, too, is, like, you feel the sense, too, that at least there's some respect between the Targaryens and the Valerians, right? Like, I feel like they 
have some sense of like, okay, like here's the rules of established order. But then you have all these other third parties and houses coming in and really putting them at odds with each other. Because I feel like as much of a headache as Damon would be, right? Like, I don't think based off of his um, relationship with his brother or like the, 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 the traces of respect that we've seen, I don't think he would ever really try to dethrone his brother. But the fact that he keeps getting pushed away by the small council then indicates that, you know, you're setting him, you're setting him up with a conflict with his own brother. Like that's that's the obvious. Um, well, and that, the series like is pushing him a, just a tiny little bit to be like, my court thinks you might betray me, so I'm not going to name you my heir, or I'm going to take away that title. So like, I agree. I think if left alone, I don't think Damon would betray the series, but because everyone else is like entering into the mix to manipulate the question does get uh, does rise yeah because i feel like at the end of the day i think there's enough respect between viserys and daemon that they wouldn't really like harm one one another but then like all the tension that's created by the other houses i feel like that that has constantly been getting in the way of things for them and i, I don't know like i i feel like um this is one of those uh, situations here where it, it reminds me of just how, if you think about it, like by the time we get to Game of Thrones, the main show, the, it's essentially the Seven Kingdoms that have kind of put themselves in that tight of a spot that they're just about to be annihilated by the White Walkers and they just don't know it. You know, like it could have been prevented if things were left as is and, and nobody was overly ambitious those 300 years. Yeah. Uh, is this Aegon, the Aegon, the Mad King? Uh, no, that's, uh, that is also a Viserys. No, right? Egg? That's why, uh... The story of Duncan and Egg is a different... No, no okay, the brother... The name the of the of the Mad King is Aerys II. Okay. So we're still, like, quite a ways away from him. Man, Although, I wish I wish yeah. they had some unique names where they didn't just go, you know, the seventh, Aegon the fifth. <laughs> Second of his name. Right, so, so who's Aegon the fifth then? <laughs> Wouldn't that be Jon Snow then? Because he's also Aegon Targaryen, right? Yeah, but Aegon the fifth, is, according to Google, and <laughs> which is based off of Wiki, <laughs> uh, is the father of. Aries the second. So we get quite a few Aegons before we get to. Jeez. Remember, there's also another Aegon Targaryen that was the son of Elia Martell with the uh, with the prince, right? With Prince Rhaegar. So technically, that prince has two sons named Aegon: Jon Snow and the one that gets killed by the mountain. How is anyone supposed to follow this though? I have no idea. This is so complicated. <laughs> it's also like, it's only a hundred fifty or hundred. 70 years before the events of Game of Thrones and some and like Daenerys was what 15 when that started or something like that right mm, just about yeah yeah it should be we should be like at the parents <laughs> um the grandparents at least I think I don't know I don't know how many how people live <laughs> it's there's too many Targaryens right now we're, we're supposed to get to a point where there's very few of them yeah, I'm going to have to do a day where I just I print out the family tree and I just get to know everybody. We just got to put them on sticky notes right next to our computers while we're doing the show. We're like, oh, yes, right. Right now, nah, the second. I don't want to pretend to be the person who knows all these names and like all the relations, because there are people that like will. People that I talk to that, you know, pass off like ideas of predictions or just will quote names of people. And it's like. Yeah, I know you just looked up Reddit real quick before answering. I just looked up the family tree right now, according to Game of Thrones wiki. <laughs> and it does it looks so much shorter than I thought it would be. But I don't think we have the full tree yeah, that it, gets us back down to where wait, we are you're, right now. Are you suggesting that wiki might be inaccurate? Just merely hinting at it. <laughs> that got me through all my research papers in college. Hey, me too. 
except for when they started doing the whole MLA thing, and you got to cite your sources. I'm like, ooh, uh... what a bummer. <laughs> um, all right, last bit to talk about here uh, is probably the Rhaenyra story line, right? Yes, I keep cheering for her every episode. I I want her to succeed. Yeah, she's definitely a fan favorite, and I hope it's because of more than just reminding everyone that she looks a lot like Daenerys. Oh, I didn't notice that. <laughs> <laughs> and just because she said the word Dracaris, that she has to be just like Daenerys then. Listen, that's my ringtone for when I get text messages now. It's just her. It's just Rhaenyra saying Dracaris. And I was like, oh, who's texting me now? She says it so much better than than anyone else. She's so poised. and <laughs> Yeah. She says it so elegantly and with the right amount of authority that I'm kind of like, oh. Is she saying it to me? I mean, the guy who was on the dragon during the fight with the crab feeder was like just shouting that every other second, which is just like, <laughs> I think you should be more in sync with your dragon where you don't need to keep yelling it. <laughs> I love that guy. He's the overenthusiastic like Fortnite player that gets the rocket launchers early on in the game. <laughs> that would be me too. He really is like, what was this? Your first day on the on the dragon back? Judging from that armor, it may be, <laughs> you know, like. It's so yeah. Tin Man looking. <laughs> um, but Rhaenyra, so she doesn't really, like, I don't know, she wasn't really in episode two that much other than being, like, the savior to recover the egg from Damon, right? She makes that, um, she has that su- the suggestion, right, to send out the dragon riders in the beginning. That's the first scene she's in. And then I don't think we see her really until, yeah, like, the, the time when she flies in with the dragon. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm guessing picking... Uh, Sir Kristen Cole is going to be a major plot point because he came up a bit in episode three. So other than that, I think she was only in the episode two, like, you know, two or three times. So she wasn't really involved, but she definitely steals episode three, right? Yeah, she does. Episode three is basically her her show to run there. But before we talk about episode three, though, can I just say two things? A... How did Otto think he was going to recover the egg when Damon, he brings, what, 15 guards? And Damon has a freaking dragon on him. And he also has, what, like 2,000 soldiers on that island? So, like, <laughs> yeah, you were never going to get the egg. Right. I thought that was the most idiotic thing. I think that was the point was, like, if we can bait him into a fight, then it stinks for Otto. But you just killed the Hand of the King, so now we'll go to war. Sure, but he's not around to conduct it, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Right, which which is why they didn't send Viserys. I love the shot when, um, well, I love both shots when Caraxes flies in to... Under the clouds? No, so that was was Rhaenyra's dragon that flies under the the clouds. But, yeah, but I I love that too, because it gave me like a Jaws feeling when the shark's about to come up to the boat. It just looked like a shark under under the clouds, right? Because it made just the right ripples. And the fact that Damon was the first dude to notice that another dragon's coming in and looks out into the horizon before everybody else. Yeah. I thought that was a nice touch. Um, the, I like the visuals of the dragons, too. Damon's dragon looks very snake-like. I hate that one. That looks so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> the way that it like takes off, too, is so slithery. Yeah, it's It's weird. Listen, he's got a defect, man. That's fine. Every dragon's different, you know? We don't we don't have I'm to just, like all dragons. I'm just saying, get rid of that one. <laughs> <laughs> Time to upgrade. <laughs> uh but no, it was uh it was really cool to see that dragon come in and then have a little standoff with each other. And then it, like, you had a two parter. You had part A and then part two. Well that was it. I just liked the the dragons coming in. I, I thought oh, that okay. was like a really nice visual. She really like you know, if it wasn't for her, they wouldn't recover that egg. I just thought it was a really idiotic um, play from Anaro's part. I think he might have resolved it in Dragonfire. No, I think Damon would have handed the egg over. No, nah, I don't think so. He would. I think he would have deliberately killed the hand of the king there. <clears throat> All right, I don't know. We'll never know. Uh, yeah. But in episode three, she has the dramatic, like, rebellious runaway, and then has like. Her own boar hunt, which was really cool to see. Also kind of scary. Like, why was that boar so angry at her? (laughs) I say the same thing every time. 
I'm about to win the match on Fortnite and I like run into the I'm <laughs> just about to get out of the storm and the random boy just shows up. Don't you just hate it when that happens? Now that is a feature, yeah. It is odd to say that Fortnite's very similar to Game of Thrones. <laughs> um but it was cool to see like her the parallel between like her getting all bloody and fighting and then Damon getting all bloody in his fight as well. I don't know if you've seen those like still images of side by sides and whatnot. Yeah, she really shown in this episode. And and the other thing too is like they made a big deal out of the what is it, the white stag or the white deer that was supposed to show up for the prince? Yeah, so I think it was like uh supposed to be like disappointing that they couldn't get it for the main hunt. And it was also like really sad to see how they do that. <laughs> yeah, that's not much of a hunt at all. Where they just like tie it up and then say, Hey King you get to come out and give the the kill stroke and he couldn't do it once so he had to do it twice <laughs> it's like the high school bully scenes from like all the 80s movies where the bullies just kind <laughs> of get back it. yeah hold him right there look at a good look at him <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was like super sad and you could see it in his eyes too where he's like this is this is wrong but it's duty or something yeah but i think it was very symbolic that the white stag actually showed up for for Rhaenyra, and she opted not to kill it. Right. Yeah, I think that was, you know, I don't think there was more meeting than that, right? No, I just think it's like one of those, like, it's just a nice visual, but also, obviously, they're very symbolic, I guess. The thing they kept playing that it was uh, the White Stag would appear for future rulers or something. Like, it's like a good omen, I guess. Yeah, it was like the king of the king's wood. And if they could have slayed it for Aegon's name day, then it would have been like, oh, wow, that's a sign, uh, which is kind of like a weak sign. But yeah. did you watch that Netflix show Shadow and Bone based off the book? Yes. Wasn't that protector or whatever was also like a white stag? Pretty much, yeah. Right. <laughs> Copy paste. On there. Getting some vibes from that. Um, it's also the Baratheon sigil, isn't it? Yeah, which... Someone is someone in the Baratheon camp is there, right? Like we constantly see one guy with the yellow armor and the stag painted on it. I think so. It, this I, the only guy that I really, like really noted. Obviously, was the Lannister dude. <laughs> yeah, what a what a tool. <laughs> the fact that they're twins though was like threw me off a little bit because i was like wait a minute aren't you in the small council and then he's like oh it's my twin brother yeah. Like, oh yeah right the lannisters and twins right that goes hand in hand it does i bet they're <laughs> in love <laughs> they're secret lovers too right it could be but yeah very, very bold to like go up to the king and start making assumptions that his new son is now the new heir without him saying anything He's, like, pretty lucky that he got out of there without, you know, getting killed. I like that he's um, kind of reprimanded him that harshly, too. Right? Like, I feel like that was one of the few times where I, saw, where I felt like if only Rhaenyra would have seen that display from her father, you know, maybe they wouldn't be having as much of a big tension as, as, they, were, as they were having, at least throughout most of this episode here. Right, but maybe he wouldn't have that reaction if she didn't act up a little bit. True, true, true. Like, they're both kind of, like, um, in a sense, kind of foils of each other for for their but, behavior. Yeah, you said it before, where it's like, if they just had an honest conversation, which they end up having at the end of this episode, yes, but, like, if they had that earlier, they probably could have avoided a, a lot of things. And it seems like, like I was saying before with the fast-forwards, we missed, you know, the pregnancies, and that seems like it, where Allison has a kid, he ages two years, and now she's pregnant again. And it, I'm guessing the father, like Viserys and Rhaenyra, uh, have not talked once in three years. I guess not. That's what it definitely seems like. On, on the subject of that, though, did you notice, like, um, the the first episode, when we're almost, I, th- I think it's when we were introduced to Rhaenyra and Allison at the same time. They're sitting under that tree that she's sitting under in episode three. Yep. Um, and it's Allison going over like 
this book of like the the house. I, I think it's a book of the ancient houses or something like that. Because the at least in, in in this episode, Rhaenyra seems to be like recounting history, mm-hmm. and Rhaenyra is not paying any attention to it in episode one. And then fast forward to episode three, she's the one reading this book under that tree. Like she's definitely starting to put stake into the fact that she may actually end up ruling. Whereas yeah. I feel like in the first episode, she definitely wasn't at that state at all. Like she had much different expectations versus now that it's been served up to her that she is the, the heir. Right. Which makes it kind of more painful that like, you know, if that's the way you've been thinking for three years or two years and now it's starting in starting to be in question, like, is Aegon going to take her place? That would be really painful. Yeah. And I think this show, you know, and, and, you know I, I may be off here a little bit, but. I think that the way that this show has has uh, modeled things so that the audience is cheering for for Rhaenyra, I think it does it really, really well. Where obviously she's in this misogynistic world, right? Like these are the customs of of, of the times, um, and yet she, you're continually seeing reasons for her to actually potentially be an act, you know, a good ruler here. Like she made a good suggestion that's ignored by her dad and the council. Um, and that's the other thing that that's annoyed me too is like I feel like a lot of her suggestions have been good and the council just like kind of downplays them whereas and, and the father's like looking at this and not noticing that you get what I mean it's kind of like he's just chiming along mm-hmm. with the, with what they're saying um, so it, it makes me very like sympathize with her a lot more versus I think if you tune into other shows that are trying to do the same thing to boost up. Uh, their protagonists, they're doing it in a much different, like, hit you over the head with it several times kind of way. Um, instead of letting that conflict kind of speak for itself, like they do here. Any last thoughts on this episode? Yeah, I think I also, like Rhaenyra, will now be seeking out a um, partner of my own to strengthen my own claim in this realm. Whoa! Um, so, um, I wanted to announce today that um, I'm starting... I'm starting to seek. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I thought that was a really cool little moment there they had um, between uh, you know father and daughter, where he basically is like, "Look, I just want you to get married to somebody that'll help you, you know, solidify your your your, your claim here." Um, and I think that's exactly what she needed to hear, right? Because I think like by the end of episode three, they seem to be on a good path to. Establishing a better relationship, a and then also setting her up for the rest and I guess the bulk of this story, which we'll you know we'll see playing out for the rest of the season. But for anybody that's read the books, like you, you know how this ends <laughs> eventually. Um, but this, I, I think this is uh, the show keeps continually uh, touching on the source material as much as it needs to, but doesn't seem to be overplaying its hand with it too much. Yeah, and I think that last conversation is really powerful because it does give her some power in her life, which was the thing that she was kind of sulking about, you know, rightfully so. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for us non-readers. So are you Team Rhaenyra or Team Allison right now? Rhaenyra, but I don't... I actually kind of like Allison in her role. Yeah, me too. I, I... I, I get the sense like she she doesn't view it on anything other than that's her duty, right? Like and but she's hard. so smart about like how yeah. to manipulate people because we've seen it what a couple times per episode where you know she was basically telling Viserys to be the one to go initiate because that's what she would have liked when she needed conversations and then she did the same thing to Rhaenyra and that got done speaking. Yeah, she's she's very good at like playing people, so I'd be interested to see her role, how that develops. She's also very much um, the I don't know. She she to me she seems like she may be the Cersei of this season of this show at some point, but at least right now I can tell that even like the decisions that she's making, she still is bearing in mind the consequences for her friend, who she still obviously seems to have a affection for uh, despite how separated and intense the things have gotten between them yeah though it is interesting to see like they were very very close and then i'm guessing they haven't been talking either so i wonder if they 
mend any fences there. I hope so. Maybe when uh, Ed Sheeran makes a cameo appearance, as he inevitably will in this show, I hope that's the the scene where it comes in. Like he sings one of his new singles or something with old classical music. I mean, they I mean, missed their opportunity there. They already had a a bard. <laughs> they really should have made it. <laughs> that would that, that would have been a good slot for him, to be honest. Sometimes you you just gotta take the shot. See, this is why we need to be in the writers' room. <laughs> we could have saved this show <laughs> we could have made it 10 times better <laughs> all right well with that blasphemy on record why don't we go ahead and end there before we make it worse uh, <laughs> and just with uh you know we're looking forward to the rest of the series and uh for this and for rings of power so we'll keep those churning out otherwise thanks, thanks for listening, for listening.